0: The Mad Max Minute presents Waters End, a reading of Peter Raider's 1991 polished second revision of Waterworld. Due to coarse language and depictions of violence, listener discretion is advised. Last time, our heroes found themselves captive aboard Laszlo's pirate flotilla, and through teamwork and ingenuity, they managed to get away in a speedboat. This is part three The Battle for Dry Land.
1: Cut to minutes later. The yellow boat rips south across the open sea. Morgan moves up to Helen. This is nuts. You don't run from pirates you can't see. That's burning
2: petrol for nothing. Just drift and take your chances.
3: Yeah, you're the expert on pirates, huh?
2: No, you are.
3: Listen, drifter. For what it's worth, I think you're an asshole. But I didn't set you up.
1: Morgan is silent. Helen grabs a hold of Troy.
3: Hey kid, you should know how pirates think. You almost became one. What do you think we ought to do?
2: Run like hell?
3: Sorry, pal. You're outvoted.
1: Dissolve to night. Helen is tucking Enola into a berth in the forward cabin.
3: You have the last watch. I'll wake you up when it's time. If we run out of petrol, just keep us drifting south. Okay. Time to float away now.
1: She gives her a kiss, gets up to leave.
3: Wait, can I have a story?
1: Helen hesitates.
3: Please. Okay, dolphin, if you promise to close your eyes. One day, deep in the deep blue, a little fish came across a sunken chest. It was beautiful and shiny, so he knew there was something precious inside. He tried to open it, but the latches were stuck. No matter how hard he pulled. They just wouldn't budge.
1: Outside, Morgan is lying rolled up in a blanket against the starboard rail. He's also listening to Helen's story, which drifts out through the porthole window.
3: Then he noticed a killer whale swimming by, and the little fish said, You're the strongest in the sea. Will you help me open my chest? The whale said, Sure. But instead of opening it, he swallowed the chest up whole. Now the chest belongs to me, he laughed.
1: Morgan leans near the window, takes a peek inside. His POV. Helen's eyes are sparkling in the light of the gas lantern. There's something hypnotic about her whispering voice, something mesmerizing.
3: The little fish was very mad. He found a school of hammerhead sharks and told them that the whale had a valuable chest in his stomach. The greedy sharks lunged at the whale and ripped a hole in his belly.
1: Inside, Enola's eyes pop open in horror. (gasps) Helen smiles and slowly closes Enola's eyelids with her fingers.
3: You promised, Enola. Uh.
1: In the background, we see Morgan staring in at mother and child, a look of longing in his eyes. Helen continues, her tone calm and reassuring.
3: The chest fell out, but by now, all the fish in the sea had heard about the chest, and there was a huge fight over it. In the struggle, it opened up, and they all gathered round to look inside. But there was nothing except a small, dead goldfish. Everyone turned to the little fish. There's nothing in there, they shouted. This chest is worthless. At that moment, an old, wise dolphin swam up to the group. He said, There was sweet water in that chest, worthless to you, but worth life to that goldfish. Now there is nothing.
1: Helen looks at Enola. Fast asleep, floating away into her dreams. Dissolve two hours later. The first light of dawn is breaking and Enola is at the helm. The others are asleep below. The engine sputters a few times and dies. No more gas. It is completely still, save the sound of lapping water against the hull. The vessel is on the cusp of a fog bank. As it drifts, the cotton-like fog becomes thicker and thicker until it is milky white. Now even the water becomes obscured by the thick, creamy haze. Enola looks around in awe. Everything beyond the boat has disappeared into whiteness. Enola turns slowly round, sweeping the non-panorama. On the starboard side, the fog is as thick as anywhere, but something seems to be out there. A presence. Enola notices something moving on the bow. A small white bird. It's a dove. Whoa! She can scarcely believe her eyes. She moves closer to the bird who retreats modestly. Morgan wakes up nearby. He blinks his eyes, notices the bird. Enola sees him.
3: It's Water's End! We're near!
1: Morgan stares at it. Shit! Wake everybody up quick! It's the pirates! Suddenly, the bird flaps its wings and takes off. Enola follows the bird with her eyes until it disappears in the whiteness.
4: No, it's Water's End! I can feel it!
1: She strains to see through the haze. Surely there's something out there, a huge presence, looming just behind the veil of whiteness. It's becoming more visible. The boat seems to be drifting towards it. Something solid and massive. Morgan stands up. Suddenly, it bursts into visibility. An enormous wall of steel. The cigarette boat is right alongside it. They could reach out and touch it. It's so close. Enola stares up, mouth agape at the vast perimeter of steel, soaring into the sky for hundreds of feet, extending horizontally in both directions as far as the eye can see. The surface is coarse and weathered, paint peeling, pockets of rust forming. I'm home. Cut to long shot. Everyone is awake, staring up at the surreal perimeter like sinners at the gate of heaven. Boat, steel curtain, and whiteness is all there is. They paddle along the barrier, searching for its limits. Now it seems to be changing angle. The wall is beginning to slope in an overhang. At the water level, it begins to recede. Overhead, it projects outwards. Finally, the wall ends in a sloping diagonal. They paddle the cigarette boat across the edge of the wall. It's almost as thick as it is tall. On the other side, it sweeps back in an identical mirror image. Look! He's pointing to some writing high on the wall. The faded letters read USS Bridgeston. It's a ship! Cut to, later. The group is making its way up an endless diagonal ramp that is suspended along the hull. The cigarette boat seems like a toy hundreds of feet below at the base of the ramp. Their sea legs are wobbly, unaccustomed to such solid ground. For the first time, it's not rolling below them. Morgan leads with his spear gun drawn. The others follow with a mixture of caution and bewilderment. On the deck, The group emerges onto the vast plain of the deck. It is just above the fog layer, so the huge plateau seems to be floating on an endless sea of whiteness. The area is larger than a dozen football fields strung out end to end. Towards the stern, a massive bridge soars up several stories. The surface is dotted with plants and animal life. Several gnarly olive trees are growing somehow, bursting through the deck from pockets where enough earth has gathered to sustain them. A small bird colony has formed with pelicans dive-bombing the water for food to bring back to their young. Morgan looks around. There's not a human in sight. This place is too quiet. Stay here. I'll check her out.
5: I'm going with.
1: Cut to below. Morgan and Wanda make their way along the darkened corridors in the bowels of the old boat. Wanda has a lantern from the cigarette boat. Water drips from a nearby valve, not a soul in sight. They move deeper and deeper into the recesses of the ship, The corridor is getting darker, moldy.
5: Hey, Drifter. You and I could do some good things on this floater. If we team up, you know what I mean. I could make you scream.
1: Morgan frowns. They come to a T-juncture, where the hall splits in two directions. You go that way. Cut to the deck. We are a moving POV, a mysterious person stalking through some old oil drums. We peek around a barrel and spot Helen, Enola, Angel, and Troy waiting near the mouth of the diagonal boarding ramp.
3: What's taking so long?
1: Helen glances suddenly in our direction, and we duck back. Cut back to below. Wanda enters a large, darkened chamber. There is a low, ambient murmur of squeaking. Wanda adjusts her lantern to raise the flame. The room begins to glow, and she notices an ocean of rats. Wall to wall, squirming rodents, surrounding her, running across her feet. Wanda smiles broadly, licks her lips. Lunch. Cut to Morgan. In another part of the Endless Halls, almost pitch black here, he's in a corridor lined with anonymous doors. He tries one. It's locked. Tries another. Empty closet. Cut to the mysterious POV. It still stocks the foursome on deck. Angel turns to Helen.
3: I don't trust those two.
1: Should I go after them?
3: Stay here. We might have to make a quick getaway.
1: We duck back into hiding, pause a moment, then scurry off through the machinery. We cut back to Morgan. He reaches out to another door. It opens with a creak. Seems to be the captain's cabin. He steps inside. Dusty cobwebs, mossy walls, a shaft of light from the window. Morgan glances at the wide double berth. The covers are lumpy. Could someone be sleeping in it? Morgan advances, spear gun raised. He reaches towards the covers, yanks them back. Skeletons! Three people, maybe four, but what's strange is the bones. They're all jet black. Cut to the deck. Everyone's back, gathering for a meeting.
3: What's Blackbone? A plague, just before you were born. It wiped out whole flotillas. All their bones became black.
1: Troy looks at her in horror.
0: Don't worry. It's not contagious anymore. The virus dies with its victims.
1: So, this ship is ours.
0: Yeah.
3: Let's see what we got.
1: Cut two on the deck. Angel and Troy have found an old pontoon plane near the bow. The central aisle of the deck forms a short runway. Troy looks at the plane curiously.
0: What is this? An airship? I saw one once.
1: It swims through the air, right?
0: Yeah. How do you know? Like a bird
1: Cut to the stern deck. Helen leads Anola to a large hatch on the back side of the bridge tower. She swings it open and looks down.
3: It's the engine room! Come on!
1: Inside, they make their way down the spiral staircase, descending into a volume of prometheum proportions. A dizzying array of catwalks suspended above two mammoth turbines, twin steam-driven screws with racks upon racks of support equipment, a stupendous network of pipes and tubing. They come to the upper level in front of two giant reservoirs. Helen twists open the huge bleeder valve, Some liquid trickles out. She wets her finger, tastes it.
3: Distilled water. It's steam-powered. This one's filled with petrol.
1: They look at each other like jackpot winners. Cut to the crew quarters. Morgan and Wanda have found a small gymnasium, complete with nautilus machines, barbells, stairmasters, rowers, and exercise bikes. The machinery looks spooky in the subdued light. Morgan enters, gun drawn. What is it? Torture chamber. Maybe.
5: We could have a load of fun in here, for example. Or are you just not into that?
1: Suddenly, a hand clamps down over Wanda's mouth. Morgan turns. It's a little guy, no more than four and a half feet, mousy looking, cracked glasses, a lab smock. He's standing up on a stool in order to reach Wanda's mouth.
4: Drop your gun, or I'll kill her.
1: Go ahead. She's a pain in the ass. You're not supposed to say that. With hardly any effort, Wanda pushes him aside. He's unarmed.
5: Who are you? I thought everybody on this tub died of
4: Blackbone. Who am I? I'm Cornelius Funky, inventor of the antidote for Blackbone. Who are you is more to the point, and what are you doing on my ship?
2: It's a pretty big ship for just one guy, Cornelius. You alone here?
4: No. Of course not. There are my bodyguards, my my harem, my...
5: Yeah, right. So what's with this antidote? It didn't work so good.
4: I only made enough for
1: one dose. Cut to the mess hall. Everyone is gathered around the captain's table for a celebration feast. There's bottled designer water, birds' eggs and olives. Cornelius is looking very uncomfortable with the new company. Enola, next to him... Takes a swig of water.
2: (laughs) It tickles.
1: Angel lets out a loud belch. Everybody laughs. Helen comes out of the pantry with a tray overflowing with cans. Hey, that's my favorite pate.
3: Relax, Cornelius. You have enough in there for six lifetimes.
1: Helen begins prying open the cans and handing them out. Troy tries to bite an olive, discovers the pit. Hurts his teeth trying to chew and finally spits it out.
4: Such table manners, young man! Are you all just a bunch of savages? Look at this girl! She has a tattoo! You like it? It looks like a lunar eclipse. We happen to be having one tonight.
1: What's synchronicity? Morgan stands up suddenly. Of course, an eclipse! What's an eclipse? Morgan moves over towards Enola, his expression intense. He takes the amulets from her, hands them to Cornelius. These are lenses, right? So it would appear.
4: Hmm, An ocular and a diopter. Very high quality, I might add. Undoubtedly for a
3: telescope. That's it. What?
1: The secret. Morgan turns to
2: Cornelius. Do you have something round? A sphere like the globe? A ball? Anything? I can do something better than that.
1: Cut to the ship library. Everyone is gathered around Morgan for a demonstration. Long shafts of late afternoon light streak through the porthole windows. Morgan is holding up a globe, the kind with the mountain ranges raised up in bas-relief. This is
2: Waterworld. Before the Great Thaw, water's end was everywhere. Then
1: the ocean rose and covered it all. Everyone stares at what it used to be like. Morgan crosses to a round white clock against the cabin wall. He points to it. Pretend that's the moon. Now. He holds the globe up in a shaft of light, casting a shadow on the wall. He moves this shadow until it begins to eclipse the clock face. During an eclipse, we move directly between the sun and the moon, casting a shadow. Now, only a crescent of sunlit clock remains, identical in proportion to Enola's tattoo. But we're also spinning at the same time. He begins to spin the globe on its axis, and suddenly, as if by magic, a triangular nick grows out of the shadow portion, cutting into the crescent. It's one of the bas-relief mountains. He has spun the globe so the tallest mountain is on the edge of the sphere, the lem of the earth, casting a tiny triangular shadow against the clock face. It's exactly like the tattoo. That's the nick in the tattoo. A piece of water's end is so tall that it sticks out from the ocean. They look at him in stunned realization. An enlightened glow sweeps across their faces. Enola is beaming.
3: I knew you would help us. How did you figure that out?
1: Morgan looks at Enola and smiles. I closed my eyes and dreamed.
2: All the searchers have been looking down, uh, onto the waves, when the secret
4: was to look up into the sky.
3: Why didn't I think of that? You wanted
2: it too much.
1: Wanda looks completely confused. She's the only one that doesn't get
2: it. Enola's parents, or whoever gave her the tattoo, send her with a clue that you could use from anywhere on the planet. It doesn't matter where you are. You get the coordinates off the moon with a sextant. If the moon is overhead, then we would be here. Morgan points to the globe. 90 degrees away from Water's End. But if the moon is near the horizon, then it would be right behind us.
5: Hold it. Time out. Are you telling me this kid drifted from Water's End?
1: Everyone nods.
5: I like
4: you better already, kid.
1: Morgan turns to Cornelius. What do you think about all this,
2: Cornelius?
4: Fascinating. Most impressive. particular, your knowledge of astronomy. How can a savage know all this?
2: I've been plotting my course against the stars for years. You said there's going to be an eclipse tonight. How can you know that?
4: Simple, my boy.
2: Cornelius
1: picks up a book. An almanac. But how do you know what day it is? Cornelius points to an enormous stack of calendars.
4: The Funky family has been keeping track of the days for six generations.
1: Helen grabs the amulets.
3: So we need to rig these into a scope, right? Can you do it?
4: Young lady, there is nothing of which Cornelius Funky is
1: incapable. Cut to Sunset. Morgan is alone on the bridge terrace, deep in thought. Now there's a sound of hoofbeats. Morgan looks down and can scarcely believe his eyes. There, below him on the deck, a white stallion galloping carefree on the vast open plain. Back and forth it runs. Shaking its mane, neighing up on its hind legs, almost surreal in the late afternoon light. Hi. Morgan spins, crashing out of his daydream. It's Enola.
4: Why do you look so sad? We're going to Water's
3: End.
1: Yeah. She sits down beside him. He hesitates, then
2: turns. You think you'll recognize your real parents when you see them again?
3: I don't know.
1: I wonder how long it takes to forget. Cut to the bridge. Night. Cornelius has jerry-rigged a telescope out of a piece of metal piping. He puts his eye to it and checks the focusing mechanism. The others watch behind him.
4: Perfect. Can I see?
1: He lets her take a look. POV through the telescope. The moon in all its glory. Shining proud, full, flawless. Mighty craters rise majestically round the perimeter of the Sea of Tranquility.
4: The eclipse won't begin for another six hours. So I suggest we all get some rest. What's an hour?
1: On Cornelius, he's dumbfounded. He pulls out a pocket watch, winds it up. Savages. He points at the watch. Hours.
4: There are 24 in a day.
1: Cut to a petty officer's cabin. Enola and Helen are sharing the ample double berth. Enola is sound asleep, but Helen's eyes are wide open. She stares up at the ceiling, glances to look at Enola for a moment, then gets up and moves to the door. Cut to another cabin. Morgan's awake too. There's a light knock. Yeah? It's Helen.
3: I couldn't sleep.
1: Morgan looks at her for a moment. Come in. She sits at the foot of the bed.
3: I thought it would be a shame if we didn't give being friends a chance.
1: It's better than beating each other up all the time. Helen smiles. Morgan smiles back. They're both smiling. This we've never seen. Morgan sits up. He inches closer to her. She lets him. He lifts his hand, puts it on her cheek, feels her skin. She closes her eyes, leans. They kiss and begin to make love. Dissolve to moonrise over seascape. Its rippling wake comes toward us like a ribbon of white, complete serenity. Then, vroom, a blur of passing vessels, one after another, dozens upon dozens, an endless convoy of pirate boats. Cut to Enola. Her eyes pop open as if suddenly roused by a karmic alarm. Helen's not there. She jumps out of bed and runs out. Cut to the bridge. Cornelius is asleep at the navigation table. His head, laying down on the board, surrounded by a half dozen wind-up alarm clocks. Enola rushes up, looks out the observation window. Her POV, the entire pirate armada surrounding the tanker, fanning out in attack formation. On Cornelius, snapping up, disoriented, he starts slapping the alarm clocks around him. Look! Cut to several minutes later. Cornelius moves toward a closet and swings the door open with a flourish. It's packed with automatics and semis. A veritable arsenal. Everyone is awake behind him, staring at the weapons. I've been waiting so long to use
4: these.
3: There's no spare ammo. Just a couple of clips.
2: Great. We'll have to improvise.
3: How much longer until the eclipse?
2: One hour and 36 minutes. We can stall them. We just need an escape plan.
0: What about the airship? You know how it works? Obviously!
2: Okay, let's move.
1: Just keep them from boarding. Quick, come here! is at the viewing window, pointing down to the diagonal boarding ramp, where several pirate vessels are converging. Can you hoist that thing?
4: Why do you people keep asking me these... Silly questions. Haven't you understood? There's nothing I can't do.
1: We'll do it. We need lights, too. Cornelius goes to the control panel, snaps on the master control, the generator, the deck lights. Immediately, the entire deck is awash with orange mercury vapor lights. Cornelius hits the ramp winch, but nothing happens. He flips it back and forth. Uh Uh-oh. Is there a manual override? Down there. Smash cut to outside Morgan vaults down the bridge ladder Several pirate vessels are closing in on the diagonal ramp that runs up the hull Morgan races across the deck he yanks back the hoisting lever but nothing happens The ramp is stuck Morgan looks down a safety hook is preventing the pulley from working The pirate boats are 20 yards and closing Morgan zooms down the ramp the pirates begin to fire Sparks fly in all directions as bullets ricochet off the steel hull Morgan lunges for the hook and tries to work it free. It's rusty and stuck. Now, a pirate dives onto the ramp from his whaler. He tries to tackle Morgan, but suddenly the hook comes loose. Immediately, the gigantic winch turns and begins to suck the ramp upwards. The pirate loses his footing and Morgan kicks him in the jaw. He plunges into the ocean. Morgan claws his way up the moving ramp. Another vessel sweeps alongside and blasts a column of fire. The ramp erupts into flame. Morgan scrambles through the fiery tunnel and dives back onto the deck. Cut to an aerial angle, the tanker is completely surrounded by pirate vessels. Some have searchlights that are raking over the vast hull, seeking out points of vulnerability. Their only advantage is the sheer height of the hull, maybe 40 yards from waterline to deck. It's like a floating fortress, but they are outnumbered 40 to 1. The pirates are laying siege, bombarding the ship with firepower while attempting to erect battlements to board her. A spyglass POV, someone is observing Morgan as he huddles with the others to coordinate the defense. On Laszlo, he lowers a spyglass, turns to helmet beside him at the bridge of the pirate command ship. Their eyes lock.
2: You sure you've never seen him before? I swear it, he's just a drifter, lost his mind. Good. Take him alive. I want to skin him raw and dip him in salty brine. I want to pull out his fingernails one by one. I won't fail you, father. Don't call me that anymore.
1: I've reversed your adoption. Helmet looks at him curiously. On the deck, Wanda defends the starboard side. A rope with a gaff hook is tossed up behind her, snagging the deck rail. She rushes to it flings it off. The pirate falls, screaming into the water. On the port side, Helen is holding her own. Four hooked ropes come up at the same time, but she slices them off with the survival knife. Morgan is the rover, rushing around from side to side as needed. On the bridge terrace, Enola is the spotter. She has a large megaphone and yells down points of attack as she sees them.
0: To starboard at the bow! amidship's
3: the to port! Three ropes!
1: Cornelius behind her is wringing his hands nervously, tweaking the telescope on occasion. On the stern, the hull here is square and flat, so that is where the pirates are concentrating their efforts. Hooked ropes fly up in massive volleys. Several pirate vessels are erecting a battlement with ladders, but Angel and Troy are holding it valiantly. They lob down Molotov cocktails, which explode mid-air, showering the pirates with shrapnel. Then. They race over to the battlement, carrying a large cauldron-shaped vat. They lift it up to the rail and pour its contents down. It's boiling engine oil. The pirates writhe in agony under the napalm waterfall, collapsing in screams into the ocean. Who needs bullets? On the port side, on the foredeck of an attack ship, helmet is being strapped into an elaborate harness. It's a monstrous catapult. Several pirates struggle to lock the huge launching arm into a firing position. Helmet climbs onto the catapult and buckles the straps. Ready! A pirate yanks out the retaining pin, and the arm rockets forward, launching Helmet up to deck level. On the deck, Helmet slams into the rail with a thud. He hoists himself over. Helen moves to intercept him, but he blasts a cover of automatic fire. Immediately, he clips a series of block and tackle pulleys onto the rail. Below, pirates grab the rope and hoist up more attackers. Morgan runs to sabotage the beachhead, but Helmet sprays the deck with an entire clip. Morgan somersaults behind a vent. He peeks around his cover and stares at Helmet. Pure pirate, lost beyond hope of salvation. Wanda calls out to Morgan, holding up her gun. No more bullets. Morgan thinks for a moment. Just then, someone jumps him from behind. He spins. It's Helen.
3: There's just too many boats down there.
1: Morgan suddenly gets an idea. He calls up to the bridge. Start the engine! At the bridge, Enola moves up to Cornelius.
4: Can you start the engine? Naturally.
1: He flips some switches, turns the starter. Nothing.
4: Oops. Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, been some time. I...
1: Anola rushes out onto the terrace.
3: We can't do it!
1: Below, Morgan turns to Helen. I'm going to the engine
2: room. I'll get it manually. What for? You know the size of the rotors on this thing? In full reverse, it'll suck in their boats and shred them.
3: That's a good little idea there, drifter.
1: You retreat to the bridge and hold it. Morgan glances back at the beachhead. Cover me. Helen grabs his arm.
3: No way. You cover me.
1: Morgan looks in his pouch. One more 12-gauge shell, two in the shotgun breech. They look at each other, a little silent prayer. Then they both go. Bullets from every direction graze their skin, bouncing off the deck in a symphony of ricochets. Morgan dives behind a tubular vent stack. Helen risks a few more steps and makes it to Wanda's shelter. She catches her breath a moment. Then, both women sprint towards the bridge door. Now, waves of pirates are clamoring aboard. Morgan looks around quickly, not far away. Helmut is busy choreographing the assault. He signals a squad to the far side, another back around the port rail. On Morgan, slowly realizing what is happening, he is completely surrounded. All at once, the pirates make their move. Morgan spins. Blam! He took out three with that shot. Now the other side. He ducks as bullets spray above him. They're closing in from all sides, yards away. Morgan looks at the mouth of the large, tubular vent. Suddenly, he dives in it headfirst. In the vent shaft, it's like a gigantic slide, almost vertical. Morgan bangs and bashes against the sides of the chute, plunging blindly. On deck, Helmet rushes up to the tubular vent. He turns to his men. I got him. Take the others. Helmet climbs into the vent and plunges after him. Below, Morgan continues to sink down the endless shaft. Now, it twists and corkscrews like a bobsled course. Suddenly, it ends and he is hurled out into a huge chamber. Morgan spills onto the metallic floor in a stunned heap. He looks around at the stupendous volume. It's an enormous empty oil tank. Walls soar above like a great vaulted cathedral. He hears a banging sound and turns to see Helmet launched out of the chute opening. His gun skids across the floor with a reverberant echo. Morgan moves above him with the shotgun. Helmet looks up at the menacing double barrel. Stand up. Helmet complies, glancing to where his gun has landed, ten feet away. He turns back to Morgan and the shotgun. They look at each other for a moment, eye to eye. Morgan takes a breath. Then he turns the shotgun around and hands it to Helmet. If you're not my son, shoot me. His voice echoes eerily in the vast chamber. Helmet stares in disbelief for a moment. He takes the gun. Morgan is calm, accepting. Helmet raises the weapon, aims it. Morgan has not blinked. Helmet's finger tightens around the trigger. Now, Morgan closes his eyes. Impulsively, Helmet swings the gun out sideways into the void. He pulls the trigger. Click! It was empty. Morgan and Helmut poker face each other. You think I'd give a loaded gun to a pirate? A beat. Was that a joke? Helmut looks at the man across from him. Morgan's face is enigmatic. Is that a grimace or the hint of a smile? Then, simultaneously, as if by psychic command, both men dive for Helmet's gun. It skids further away. Helmet grapples. Morgan kicks it. Now, a great thud comes down from above. Pirates have opened a large overhead door. Morgan glances up. Pirates begin to rappel down ropes like spiders. They fire their automatics. The sound echoes in the vast cavern, building into an excruciating cacophony of overlapping explosions. Morgan notices a small door. It's his only hope. He dives for it, wrenching open the lock wheel, slamming it behind. In the passageway, Morgan has entered some kind of airlock, another door. He yanks it open and bolts it from the other side. It's a long, dark corridor somewhere in the bowels of the ship. Morgan runs blindly. He can hear behind him the sounds of pirates struggling with the lock. They blast at it with their guns. Cut to on the port side. Laszlo has made his way up and over the rail with a squad of men. Dieter is with him. They start towards the stern. This way. Cut to the terrace outside the bridge. Wanda and Helen pull themselves up the final rungs. Waves of pirates are making their way towards the base of the ladders below them on deck Wanda notices something behind them There's a huge pair of water cannons for extinguishing flames One on each side of the bridge terrace They jump into the swiveling control chairs and open the valves A rocket-like geyser of water spews out of the nozzle Helen swings her hose around to the starboard ladder The flow pulses out like a jackhammer, wrenching the pirates off the ladders They fall screaming to the deck Cut to the bowels of the ship. Morgan comes into a large room with subdued light. He looks around. It's the engine room. The mammoth twin turbines sit idle like lifeless whales. Morgan races up the ladder to the mid-level catwalk. He runs to the control panel. An intimidating array of buttons. He punches a few. Nothing. He turns a key. Still nothing. But then, an agonized groan as the massive gears scrape against their rusted bearings. Suddenly, the engine roars to life. The whole room vibrates with the bone-rattling hum of the gargantuan machine. Morgan slams the throttle into full reverse. The impressive screws begin to turn, faster and faster, underwater spinning the colossal rotors in a furious rage. They suck in oceans of current. At the waterline, water froths up. Pirate vessels are vacuumed in towards the mammoth blades. Ladders topple pirates cascade into the water, wooden boats splinter like matchsticks. At the stern, Angel and Troy look down with big grins.
0: Why didn't I think of that?
1: You wanted it too much. Cut back to the engine room, upper level. Laszlo and his team burst in at the upper catwalk. They spot Morgan climbing the ladder across the void, his back to them, oblivious. Dieter raises a crossbow. Twang. A barbed dart shoots across the volume. It's attached to a long wire paying out from a spool. Thunk! It hits Morgan in the shoulder blade. He screams. Dieter yanks the line back. Morgan is forced to release. He pendulums across the void, suspended by the harpoon wire. The thick barbs are lodged deep in his flesh. He is helpless, like a fish on a hook. Laszlo looks down at him, dangling below the catwalk with an expression of pathetic agony. Real him in. Dieter and three other pirates haul the wire in, pulling Morgan up towards the catwalk. The flesh around the barb is turning deep blue. Morgan grabs onto the wire with his hands to lessen the pressure on his shoulder blade. Laszlo laughs sadistically. (laughs) How do you feel now, small fry? Morgan is losing the will to struggle, like a fish pulled close to the boat. I remember
2: you now. I killed your wife all those years ago. Too ugly to save. But your son? What a faithful little soldier he's become. He'd give his life for me. Not anymore. It's Helmet. He has a gun. The pirates turn to him.
1: Helmet! You'll die for this. Helmet's already dead. Blake begins to pump out rounds of gunfire. Two pirates drop while Dieter dives aside and fires back. Laszlo manages to run away down the catwalk. Morgan's wire is released. He plunges downward, directly into the machinery. The huge spinning gear assembly. He'll be ground to a pulp. But the end of the wire snags on the rail. He stops inches short. His feet are dangling above the 3,000 RPM gears. The wire is slipping. Blake and Dieter pinned behind a reservoir. The last pirate tries to make a run for it, but Blake blasts him. He goes flying over the rail directly towards Morgan. Morgan braces himself. They collide. The wire yanks off the rail. They fall. The pirate is chewed up into the gears. Morgan barely clears the machine, spilling onto the floor. He stands. The barb is still hopelessly stuck in his back. The pain is almost unendurable. He gathers up the wire and holds it against a spinning gear linkage. Sparks fly as he begins to cut through it. Suddenly, he notices Laszlo charging him with a harpoon. He turns and parries the blow with a length of wire stretched between his hands. Laszlo swings again. Morgan retreats. Cut two on deck. Angel and Troy have snuck around the shadow of the bridge tower to check out the situation. The pirates are busy hoisting the catapult launcher on deck in order to mount the final assault on the bridge. Beyond the pirates, the pontoon plane sits ready on the runway. Even if we hold them, we'll never get to the plane.
0: Wanna bet? How would you feel about the largest gasoline bomb in history?
1: Angel ducks into the shadows. Troy follows her curiously. Angel finds what she was looking for. A deck-level fuel bleeder valve. She opens it, and a slow stream of gasoline begins to pour out on the deck. Angel grabs some signal flares, cracks them open. She begins to pour out the gunpowder in a line across the runway. It's a fuse. Cut to the bridge. Enola suddenly points up to the moon. It's happening! A shadow is slowly moving across the face. Cornelius looks up, completely flustered. Outside on the terrace, Wanda and Helen are still repelling pirates with the water cannons. What do we do?
4: What do we do?
0: Calm down, Cornelius. The coordinates, remember?
4: Right, right.
1: You watch the telescope. As soon as the bump appears... You let me know. Cornelius grabs a sextant. I'll get the moon altitude. Cornelius fumbles with the sextant, puts it to his eye.
3: It's upside down, Cornelius.
1: Cut to the engine room. Blake fires a diversion burst. Then he leapfrogs over the rail and jumps down to the lower catwalk. Dieter fires back at Blake's former position, oblivious to his maneuver. Blake now creeps along the lower catwalk, trying to sneak under Dieter. Below... Laszlo explodes in a furious series of thrusts and blows. Morgan retreats each in turn, but then trips on the ever-present wire and sprawls backwards. Laszlo lunges with the harpoon. Morgan snaps his wire like a whip. It coils around the spear, and Morgan yanks it out of Laszlo's hands. The harpoon skitters across the floor. Laszlo attacks with bare hands. They roll across the floor towards the stern terrace. Meanwhile, Blake is directly beneath Dieter. He can see him above through the catwalk grate. Blake takes aim. Click. What a time to run out of ammo. Dieter spins and spots him below. He cocks his gun and aims.
2: Loyalty. We all stick together, remember? What happened to you? It's a big lie, don't you see? He's only loyal to himself. You think he's gonna take you to water's end? Look at your hand! You're not a perfect physical specimen. Shut
1: up. He'll kill you like anyone else that doesn't fit in. Shut the fuck up. I don't believe you. He fires, hitting Blake in the shoulder. Blake stumbles to the rail. Dieter takes aim again. It's all over. (laughs) Bang! But it's Dieter that falls. Troy is behind him with the smoking gun. Troy and Blake look at each other, an unspoken bond. Two generations of boys that Laszlo tried to indoctrinate. Troy takes his hand and hides the triangle on his forehead. Blake does likewise. A gesture of solidarity. They smile at each other. Blake turns to look for Morgan, but they're gone. On the stern terrace, it's a tiny deck for ship maintenance, directly below the huge letters USS Bridgeton. Laszlo has Morgan pinned in a backbend over the rail, directly below the enormous rotor spins incessantly. Laszlo is forcing Morgan's chin back with his hand. He's looped his other hand through the rail, pulling at Morgan's barbed hook. Morgan is on the verge of fainting from the pain. Sweat washes down his face in gushes. He's weakening. Laszlo grits his teeth with determination. Suddenly, Morgan hugs Laszlo with his legs and flips backwards over the ledge. They both somersault over, falling, but Morgan has grabbed the terrace lip with one hand. Laszlo is still holding the barbed hook in Morgan's back. Below them, the lethal blades spin furiously. Two men suspended one from the other like chain links. Blood is pouring out of Morgan's shoulder, which has swollen up like a small pumpkin. The barb still firmly lodged. Morgan's fingers begin to slip off the balcony. They're wet with perspiration. His face is in agony. He can't take it anymore. Looks up to the lunar eclipse for a split second and releases so Laszlo also releases. But from nowhere, Blake clasps down on Morgan's forearm, hauling him up, while Laszlo continues plunging downwards, his cape of feathers filling up like a parachute. For an instant, Laszlo looks like he is trying to fly. Then he hits the water. The moonlit foam becomes sanguine as Laszlo is shredded mercilessly by the rotors. The feathers spin up and slowly settle on a liquid carpet of blood. Blake helps his father onto the platform. We've got to get this hook out of you. No time. Let's go. No, wait. Trust me. It's the only way. Morgan looks at his son. He shuts his eyes in anticipation. Blake grips the barb and twists it out counterclockwise. Morgan grimaces, clenching his teeth. His knees are weak. Blake holds up the barb and wire and tosses it overboard. Cut to the bridge terrace. A pair of pirates are launched up on the catapult while Wanda and Helen are ducking a spray of cover fire. Immediately, the pirates hook on the standard block and tackle pulleys. They're going to take the bridge. Helen and Wanda take cover. Cut to a vertical shaft. Angel and Troy are helping Morgan and Blake, the two wounded warriors, up a ladder stairwell. Cut to inside the bridge. Enola is looking through the telescope. Her expression suddenly becomes panicky.
0: It's there! It's there!
1: POV through the scope. Sure enough, a tiny bump is emerging from the curved shadow, about 30 degrees north of the equator. On Cornelius, he holds up the sextant. He looks confused. Quick, it's disappearing. I
4: can't do it. I don't know how
1: to use a sextant. Anola grabs it from him, puts it up to her eye, measuring. At that instant, the door is kicked open. A squad of pirates burst inside with Helen and Wanda as prisoners. EVERYBODY FREEZE! A pirate grabs Enola viciously by the hair. The sextant goes flying, but now Blake emerges from the hatch. I'll take the prisoners. Laszlo wants you below. They eye him suspiciously. ON THE DOUBLE! The men start filing down the hatch. He points to the women and Cornelius. Outside! Onto the terrace! Helen begins to resist, but then notices Morgan signaling to her from outside. He lobs a Molotov cocktail into the hatch after the other pirates. Everyone dives outside as the bridge explodes in a massive fireball. Borgen turns to Helen. My son's alive and kicking. Outside, everyone has converged on the mezzanine deck. The group races down the central catwalk, descending onto the runway. Meanwhile, the second wave of pirates are hoisting themselves up onto the deck from boats below. Waves of killers are converging on them. The group runs and piles into the small pontoon plane. But at the last instant, Cornelius balks.
4: I'm not going. I'm staying with the ship.
1: Are you crazy? They'll kill you. Gunfire begins to pepper around them. Pirates are swarming the ship, getting closer and closer. Who's going to swim the airship? They'll kill us all. I'm willing to take my chances. Suddenly, Angel pulls out a flare gun and shoots down onto the deck, igniting her fuse. It begins to burn. A straight line right down the runway towards the massive fuel reservoirs.
0: I just made your chances zero. In a couple heartbeats, this whole fucking ship's gonna blow up and now get your ass into the airship.
4: Oh no. Oh no! You shouldn't have done that! They never taught me how to fly! I-I-I-I don't know how it works!
1: Everyone looks at each other in a stunned silence. The flaming fuse races onwards. About 40 seconds to go. Morgan suddenly grabs Cornelius and stuffs him into the pilot's seat. Learn fast! In the cockpit, Cornelius looks around in utter panic. He flips a few switches. Nothing. Wanda looks like she's gonna be sick. The fuse, racing along. 30 seconds. The deck. Pirates are within 40 yards of the plane. Cornelius, sweating profusely, tries a few more switches. Helen shakes her head in disbelief. The fuse. The cockpit. Suddenly a hand reaches in from outside and grabs Cornelius. It's a vicious pirate, trying to yank him out. Cornelius struggles, flails his arms, hits something. Chug, chug, chug. The props begin to turn. It was the starter. His hands slap something else, the throttle. The plane lurches forward. The pirate loses his grip, slips back onto the pontoon. The airship begins to rattle along the runway. On the deck, the plane catches up to the burning fuse. They're running neck and neck, but will the plane clear the runway before the fuse hits those gasoline tanks? Chug, chug, chug. The pirate is dragged along with them. In the cockpit, Cornelius is shaking with fear. I think we're too heavy. We'll never take off. The fuse burns along the frame in the foreground. The plane runs parallel with it behind. It's a dead heat but there's only about 50 feet of runway left, and the wheels haven't left the ground. They're not going to make it. The plane pours over the lip of the deck, falling down towards the sea. The pirate dangling onto the pontoon skims the water. He's forced to release. Then, the plane suddenly surges upward. In the cockpit, Cornelius smiles triumphantly. See? Too heavy. I told you. Then... The ship explodes in a massive fireball, which mushrooms up and out, singeing the plane. The airship surges upwards into the heavens, leaving the flaming ship below like a tiny patch of glowing lava in a sea of blackness. Smiles and sighs of relief. Morgan has his arm around his son. What about the coordinates, Cornelius?
3: Ask the girl.
1: Everyone turns to Enola. She hesitates.
3: You caught them. Didn't you, Enola?
1: A moment of suspense. Then, Enola turns to Morgan, smiling proud.
4: Twelve degrees above the horizon.
1: It's right behind us. We should reach it by sunrise. But in the excitement, he's released the stick. The plane goes into a nauseating nosedive. He pulls her back up, sending everyone's stomach through the basement. Dissolve to the ocean, day. The pontoon plane flies towards us erratically. The engine spits a few times. Now... The plane begins a wobbling descent. It hits the water with a splashy geyser, somewhere between a nosedive crash and a picture-perfect touchdown. But why are they landing? It's the middle of nowhere. Wait, are those birds? Look, a school of dolphin is surrounding the plane like a welcoming committee. The group piles out, laughing, cheering. Morgan's shoulder is bandaged. They are wading in the water, a sand shelf. We turn 180 degrees to reveal the most beautiful, inviting island you can imagine. Water's End. Not just one, but a string of islands. A tropical archipelago. The troop re-enters the shot, frolicking in shallow water. They make their way onto the beach, giggling like children. It's hard to maintain balance on Terra Firma after a lifetime of sea legs. They fall into the sand and roll around. There's a small shack in the background. And now Morgan stands, looking in disbelief. A herd of wild horses gallop past them on the beach. Dissolve to the shack. Angel and Wanda step inside, dark and dusty, some rotting furniture. Then they notice some bones, a skull, ebony black. Black
5: Blackbone. That's why they set her adrift.
1: Cut to outside. Everyone is laughing, playing in the sand. Cornelius stands up, suddenly agitated.
4: Goodness... I've forgotten my calendar. How will I keep track of the days?
1: Why don't we just call this day number one? Blake moves up to Morgan and hugs him. Dissolved to the apex of Water's End. Enola has made it to the peak of the mountain. She can see the others way below her on the beach. She notices something planted in the earth, a bit of cloth on a stake. She unfurls it, a union jack, tattered and torn. Below it is a metal plaque. Enola wipes off the dirt. It reads... Edmund Hillary, Sherpa Tenzing Norgay, May 29th, 1953. Enola studies it curiously. She stands, wipes her hands. We pull back higher and higher into the air like a soaring bird, Enola standing triumphant on the mountaintop.
3: Now I'm really home.
1: As we spiral upwards into the heavens, the string of islands stretch out below us, like an earthly paradise. Fade to black.
0: The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Bautista. Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute. And support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash madmaxmin.
1: Narration by Rick Ingham.
2: Morgan, the Mariner. Was played by Garrett Lampkin.
3: Julia Risto as Helen. Enola was played by Ashley Serrano.
2: Laszlo, played by David Cook.
3: Angel was played by Luca Miller.
4: Cornelius was played by Chaz McPeak.
5: Wanda was played by Delaney Ballinoy.
1: Troy is played by Chaz McPeak. Data was played by Ryan Cade. With Helmet, also known as Blake, played by Mitch Zander.
0: Thank you for listening to Part 3 of Water's End. We hope you enjoyed this presentation.